Yo, what's good? This is Babe Talk, and this is a crazy exciting episode. The only thing is that I'm really not sure what I'm more excited for. Right now, Matt Senecum from The Hard Times, founder, editor-in-chief, they're doing their podcast now. They're pitching shit to real people to put on TV. But I also have Eric Navarro back on the show, who helped board Babe Talk around the same time that The Hard Times even came out. So I, it's it's dope. Say hi, everyone. Hey, this is Eric. Hey, thanks for having me. It's Matt. Yeah. Dude, Ollie, thank you so much for having us. This is really awesome. Uh, I also want to give you credit for me because you gave me, you the first podcast I was ever on was Babe Talk. The first like real internet writing I ever did was for Babe Talk. And um, and it's what led to me doing The Hard Times, which led to me doing stand-up. So you really kicked off my entire comedy career. So thank you, bud. Aw, th- thank you. You're welcome. Um, it's all nice. And I stop giving me compliments in the middle of the show. You know I don't take them. Oh, that's true. That's true. I'll go. We'll revert very quickly back to our old roles of just shitting on each other and then the guests sitting there uncomfortably. That makes sense. So we can even make it even more uncomfortable. I'm pretty sure Matt gave you, I think, two of his um, racial slurs. So Yes, I get to use two of them. Um, uh, filthy WAP Dagos. I'm Italian. <laughs> uh, we went for the safe ones. Come yeah, on. I did. I really did. That's actually my safe word, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, I'll be expecting the the use of the other one later, though. <laughs> the other one. Don't worry. I'm holding what guinea? <laughs> <laughs> so close, um, but yet so far away. I, the one I was thinking was uh, Silver Tip. I play video games with uh, a guy from Sweden, and I was trying to insult him. And uh, he's a friend of mine. And I had to look up what you call people from Sweden. Um, <laughs> I guess you call them silver tips because all their hair is the same color. Real brutal insult there. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, wow. no. You're yeah. really knocking down a peg. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny about the Swedes because, like, I guess, like, they must have a warped sense of, like, what would be considered an insult and what wouldn't be. Like, if you were to call the Swedish person uh, a silver tip, it's like, oh, that's so mean. But if you play them in video games in your live stream or you just drop a hard... And like you know, <laughs> just, do you, oh, yeah, yeah. Matt, do you, you do know all he's black, right? <laughs> I feel like that should be said because there's no video. Uh, me and Ollie go way back. We actually okay. were in this chat for quite a while before you got here. Oh, I don't know bad, what you bad. were up to, Eric. Why don't you explain to the yeah, audience Eric, why you were late? I actually can explain. Um, I was, uh, I was, I was, I went to go into this this app, and they're like, update your Google Chrome. So I did, and then they said it still wasn't good enough because Google Chrome won't work for my computer, whatever. So I got the Firefox, and I got the update. Uh, it's Firefox 66. I was currently on Firefox 22. And my here's why I'm telling this long, rambly story. My, uh, my homepage, like the one that boots up because I hadn't opened Firefox in so long, was cracked.com, which means I haven't opened Firefox since 2009. Yeah, I never, I never really read Cracked. Um, I loved it. I wrote that's, I wrote for that a little bit. Oh, you did? What did you do over there? Uh, just they had these like open, open. It was like nothing like major. It was like these open uh-huh. topics that you could write and submit, and then they would, they would put them on the site, um, but they would like promote them on the front page if they liked them. And I had one promoted on the front page and a whole shit ton that I just wrote. Were, so it was or, almost like practice. But were any yeah. of the there, uh, open topics like. Uh, accusation denial uh prompts or anything like that <laughs> no no they were actually here well this actually makes perfect sense the year was like 2010 and i did uh bass guitar uh punk rock 
uh, I think I did one for um, for some punk band, and then I think I did one for like new metal, and then one for Juggalos. Cool. And so it was all music related. So it just yeah, like was this weird hard like, time stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, let's just like throw the wedge and start the the, the hard times conversations Hell yeah. because like I feel as if we'll definitely be able to, to 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 have these like long like oh like the music has always been here and like we've always been able to to do so. But it it, it was something about the hard times that really like set the match on fire right like we had a lot of these different media um outlets that were putting out similar stuff but the hard times though like really found the juice and that's incredible especially in in such like a content heavy realm that we live in it was like this was the perfect secret sauce to kind of like you know take everything up in such a short amount of time and that's incredible to start with thanks man i'm glad i'm glad you uh i'm glad you enjoy the site i think it's just like a really big team effort and everyone has put together their perspectives and a lot of different time and energy has gone into it. Guys like Eric, but there's a lot of us, right? So um, it was kind of like this, yep. all, all those forces combining, there's a lot of passion at the hard times. And that is where we get our quality from. It's not one particular source, not one person. Um, it's one goal that we all share together. Yeah. And that's what's it's, it's so cool to hear like Matt, you say that, but because like, well, some people might not know because they just don't know the behind the scenes. Matt puts literally puts his money where his mouth is and uh, rewards contributors, managers across up and down the, the spectrum of people who who make up the hard times team. Um, anything that comes in goes right back out to them. And it's pretty amazing. Hard times is the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. It's the only thing I've ever been a part of that uh, people enjoyed. <laughs> you know, I've been in band. Yeah, I, I've been in band. Uh, <laughs> I put out a little zine before this. And uh, when I saw that the world was responding so positively to hard times and millions of people started reading, I felt this really deep sense of responsibility that I could um, help guide and create this thing in a way that it could be a positive experience for uh, not just me, but for our editors and contributors. And I wanted to make it a bit of a platform uh, and I would love one day to uh, be older and be able to look back and say oh that person got their start at hard times um, hmm. so we'll see how true that comes absolutely I mean it's, it's really crazy because in, in my, my head like you know as someone who's just consumed the hard times like like you know just like as a as a regular bit of entertainment entertainment anywhere else you really don't think about the behind the scenes of it you know, like there is a whole writing team, you know, like there is strategy to how the different um, content gets divvied out, you mm -hmm. know, like in my head, it's kind of just like you really kind of could put anything out, like especially with the millions of readership that you have right now. It's mm -hmm. kind of like anything could go out at this point. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think my role is really that of like a coach on like, but not in a way that I'm teaching people things, but like, like a general manager on a baseball team who decides uh, who gets put into what position. <laughs> And then watch how they do and move them around and substitute them out and do all that, all that sort of stuff. Um, but uh, the millions of readers, they actually, you can't quite put anything out. You put some stuff out and they just ignore it um, and it'll, it'll flop. But we've tried <laughs> to do a couple things that were complete flops. We tried to do a conspiracy theory website that literally no one read. read. Um, I thought it was hilarious. It was called Truth Bang. <laughs> And uh, I just loved it. And, uh, you know, this is a project that we brainstormed up. We funded. There's a tech team. We launched it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Riot Fest bought ads on it for a second. But it was just um, no readers. Um, and then we tried to do uh, an MMA and pro wrestling one called Gut Check. 
and I was really excited about that one. <laughs> I that one actually. I grew up on that stuff, so like I was really excited about that one, and I didn't see anyone else really doing that. We just couldn't gain traction. Joe Rogan read one of our headlines <laughs> on his podcast, but he, he thought it was real. Okay. Like uh, he didn't think that it was satire, <laughs> um, and they just flashed our website on on for just one second. But we just couldn't quite catch steam, and there just wasn't enough readers uh, for us to mm. justify keeping keeping it going. We should, uh, now that I've been like so inundated in the comedy world and seeing how many people really like still like, like wrestling. And I know you didn't mention WWE, but they had a lot of articles there on gut check. Um, but with that in mind, like, I know there's that site. And so they seem to be doing pretty well. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering if there's a little, uh. Well, something to grab there. Maybe, maybe we They're missed the first um, pass. I read kayfabe news. It's one guy, I think, and so. Oh, really? Yeah, God, so that's he has so a impressive. really high Fuck. hit rate. Um, I think that stylistically, I think if I was running kayfabe news, I, there would be like probably a bottom half of his articles that I might cut, you know. But he he's, has a dedicated fan base, and I enjoy his stuff. Um, so it that's has cool. worked for wrestling. It has never worked for MMA that I know of. I think MMA people are more into just memes. And like more like viral tweets, that sort of stuff. I mean, they, they MMA fighters and their fans can't read, so that would make a lot of sense. <laughs> well, that's that's just yeah. the CTE talking. But that's like the the um when I uh, I had put out and Matt, you helped me a lot with this when I set it up. I did um uh, a site for satire for fantasy uh-huh. football, and I was like, oh, I think this is an audience that would love this. And yeah. they didn't. What they loved was random satire articles about topical NFL right. stories. Mm-hmm. But that was more like it was almost more like would you say it's more the meme yeah. factor. It's like they just want a quick joke and they don't want to yeah. think. If it's surprisingly enough, punks and metalheads are like the thinkers in the satire world. I don't know what like. it is, man. It's it's there's different communities like different forms of comedy. Yeah, you have to push out into them to really test them. Um, I don't know, like maybe my maybe our wrestling and MMA stuff just wasn't good enough to crack that, uh, that nut. Or, or maybe it was, they prefer just pictures of Ronda Rousey getting beat up with a caption. Like that's what you get, bitch. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. A classic, so, a classic um, joke. I, I don't know. But so yeah, um, our readers support us like crazy, but the, the truth is, is that they will, they will turn their backs on us anytime that they think that we're not funny. So we have to, we're always pushing to make sure yes. that the content's good enough for them. Which is fantastic because that, that shows that you respect your reader too, you know, and the respect and the reader respects you. It's like, don't give me this. What, what are you doing? But that getting vulnerable <laughs> though. And like pushing something out, like with hard drive, like that took off. And mm-hmm. like you had said, you know, like certain comedic aspects are, are going to need to be delivered to the right people but you kind of have to like you know kind of spoon feed it to them mm-hmm. that one seemed a lot harder because it was a contrast in audiences kind of at least i would imagine it to be yeah so it's interesting like we now run a punk music rooted but music in general and video game website and everyone gets along and both <laughs> both fan bases are happy <laughs> it, it is kind of bizarre but at the same time you know after Hard Times took off, the very first thing that I thought of that we should expand out into is video games. I, I've been uh, hmm. a gamer my entire life. It's probably the thing that I do most. You know, I play in bands and I go to shows and shit, but I just uh, play a shit ton of video games. Too many. Um, it's, a, it's a bad oh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I always wanted to, vi- to do the video game section. 
Um, and it, it wasn't until I came across, truthfully speaking, it wasn't really until I came across uh, one of the contributors at Hard Times, uh, Jeremy Kapowitz. And I just kept seeing him just absolutely crush things. And um, he came to me and he had done Lizard People of New York which was this very successful Facebook page. Oh my God. So, so I'd seen, I'd seen that he was capable of guiding mm-hmm. a project and I wanted to give him money and resources to guide a new one. Um, and that's actually the guy uh, with his uh, group of friends that did truth bang, but truth bang flopped, but I, the content was still really good. So I still kind of just felt like this mm-hmm. guy's got something in him. He just needs the right target. So I kind of pulled up this old idea, which was, Hey man, always wanted to do video games why don't we try that um it just took off like crazy so yeah that, that one's like running it's like a runaway success right now uh it just keeps growing 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 um so i'm really excited about that and, and i just love reading it uh i was in the editorial mm-hmm. meetings uh every week up until um I think like four weeks ago five weeks ago i sent jeremy a message and i was just like look just trust you. Just do whatever the fuck you want. I started realizing that um, yeah. I, he would. I used to be there, and I was like trying to help guide the project, you know, for the first year or so that it was around. And then like I would go on vacation, and I would notice that they would make some decisions that I wouldn't have made, but that the audience loved them. And I was like, well, it's just whatever then. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not, yeah. how much of how much of a help really am I? You know, <laughs> who cares? Yeah. It's, it- and that's and that but that comes with insight though like like you had said that like you know you 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 grew into a coach position it's like there's old tactics and then there's like the new wild buck that's just like i'm gonna do whatever and the yeah. audience loves it. it's like well well fuck mm-hmm. yeah so we're just letting them run wild with it and it's it's crushing we just added two more editors to that section um and they're energized and uh yeah i feel like hard drive has a very bright future because there's no one else doing video game satire you guys want some breaking yeah. exclusive news i've obtained yes. internal emails from the onion that their video game satire site launches this month um yes huh. um, Interesting. i've known about it for a little while because i talked to some people over mm-hmm. there um but i'm i'm gonna go ahead and say that they saw how good we were doing in their copy guys i could i i, I could <laughs> be wrong that, but um well, remember Patriot yeah. Hole? Well, Patriot Hole, they, they had the idea for I actually told one of the VP guys at Onion that we were going to do Truth Bang. And he said, that's weird. We're actually doing one, too. We're, we're doing uh, Patriot Hole. It launches in a couple. So they actually, that idea they had at the mm, same time as mm, us. Uh, okay. I, I do think that, I mean, video games are just such a rich uh, topic on all online platforms that maybe, maybe it was just parallel thinking. But I'm a pretty egotistical guy, so I think they're copying us. <laughs> that's all right, though. I copied... Um, no, well, I copied their entire fucking uh, publication, so <laughs> fair is fair. Fair is fair. Eric, let's point over to you for for a second because we're we're talking um, heavily about the the um, editors' room and like kind of you had gone from being one of the contributing writers um, after leaving Babe Talk, and then you're now an editor for Hardstyle. I mean, like, yes. so, so now you're also in a new position to kind of like, you know, guide and, and, you know, you have a, you have a hammer, but you're, you're, you're now in a position to like, you know, you do, you do it. No, it's been really cool. Like, um, getting to see that side of things where it was like, um, and, uh, I hope I'm not overstepping, but like, uh, Matt had mentioned to me in the past, uh, that I was one of his writers who 
kind of was able to analyze not only what worked in the writer's room, but what worked on the website. Because not everything that gets put on the website works. And a lot of writers don't necessarily look into that. They just see what gets on the website and then, you know, shut the door on it. And so um, it was interesting not only thinking about my own articles and how they would do, but seeing, like, looking at the site less in in a, a more individualized sense and more in a collectivist sense to be like, oh, it matters to me how every single article, not only on the section I help manage, but everywhere in hard times yeah. now matters to me as opposed to just looking at it for myself. So it was a cool thing to like, and that's just like an introspective way to look at it. On top of that, the experience of getting to help, all I've ever wanted to do was help punch up jokes and help write narratives and get tone better and make things more concise. And I'm in a job now where every single day, at some point during that day, I get to not only pitch jokes, but I get to assist other great writers, some who I honestly I mean, I, I like my job as manager, but there are some like writers where I'm like, you're a great writer. Like you're teaching me things by reading your draft. And I think that's a really cool like way to look at it where it's like I get to learn from writers and they get to learn from me. And we have this very, as Matt put it, this teamwork, this very symbiotic relationship and being able to like work as a group as opposed to being one individual, just trying to pump stuff out to get your own stuff out there has kind of changed the way I look at like comedy and honestly, like any kind of creative endeavor. Yeah, um, I think. Eric has, uh, there's a couple different type of uh, minds out there. And some people are uh, more of a solo, go it alone sort of mindset. And I think Eric has the ability to think of things collectively as a whole and try to shape them, which is very important when you're trying to do editorial stuff. Um, there's a lot of different uh, satire sites out there. And um, most of them suck. Like, uh, they're most of them. Most of them are pretty bad, and yeah, I love being a. I love being. Sorry to cut you off, Matt. I love being in punk anything because you get to say shit like that. Sorry, continue. I mean, most of them beautiful. are pretty bad, and I feel like the real problem with most most of these places is a lack of editorial guidance and a lack of quality control. And um, you know, Hard Times is written by hundreds of people all across the country, some in different countries, yet. We have a pretty unified voice, and that has to do with yeah. our editors, uh, people like Eric and these editorial meetings and making sure that it's all unified and coming across uh, in the way that we want it to. But um, it's interesting, you know, like Eric was talking about, like those super talented writers. Um, some of those super talented writers uh, could go try to make their own satire site and it would flop because um, they yeah. don't have the editorial uh control that's needed they, they might have the pure raw talent but they don't have the uh editorial vision so i guiding when i was younger i was really into those uh management sim games you know like uh like <laughs> roller coaster oh, yeah, tycoon yeah. or fucking hospital yeah. tycoon and uh, exact yeah Zoo Zoo tycoon tycoon great. Shit. um hard yeah. times is kind of like that we're really good at our at our uh overall direction of the project and that's really helped our people uh, flourish. It is kind of a frustrating system. We, we often have people who go, this is too fucking hard to get a joke on this website. Like, uh, wow. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I understand. It's kind of sad because some of those people are really talented and I want their jokes on the website, but they just they don't have the, the, the passion to get them 
through all of the bullshit that we put them through, right? You got to like, you have to like contribute these headlines for a test and then your headlines have to get some votes and then they have to go through an editorial meeting and then they have to get approved and then they have to get written and then edited and then published, right? And so it's like pretty irritating, especially for people who are used to just being given like five minutes in a microphone. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. But I do think that at the end of the day, the end result is uh it all pays off and it helps everyone even those writers because at the end of the day there's a much larger audience at our website than uh any of the other satire sites other than the onion uh, because we care about that quality so we're we're talking a lot about the the comedy aspect of it and it's it's interesting because of of how much I wouldn't want to say. Red Can I say tape, some more mean stuff? Like, sorry, it, sorry to cut you off. Can I say some more mean please, stuff? Please continue. Yes. Uh, <laughs> also, a lot of satire people and other satire people—they're nerds, dude. They're like, they're, they're, they're <laughs> nerds, bro. And like, I play video games, and it's okay. Like, I like nerdy stuff, but like, they're just so fucking like bookish and like dweeby. That's all I had to say. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> just a bunch of fucking we're, dorks we're gonna set, go man. like we're gonna i feel, beat up I some feel other like there are these satire people. sites that have Ugh. like some aura or like some vibe of respect to them and i just look at them and i'm like what's your audience size you know it's like no one I, reads this uh, thing yeah uh, you know and it's uh, interesting because <laughs> i think i think a lot of people want to, to start off the gate with the persona like you know like with their 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 identity already set and a lot of people don't realize your identity comes to you. You know, you can't force that shit out there. Yes. Yeah. And that's actually true for stand-up comics too. Like from that, coming from that world, there's so many people who within their first six months are talking all this mess about like, well, I'm this kind of comic. This is who I am. And it's like, you don't even know who you are as a person Ooh, yet. Damn. Like you got to figure it out over years to like, well, I, mean, I think I, I personally believe people don't figure out who they are until way later than they think say, they do. But like, right? um, yeah. Yeah, I will. Oh, I will take them to therapy. That's actually, um, there is a podcast I'm starting pretty soon. This isn't like a plug or anything. It's just on topic um, where I sit down with comedians and do a therapy session because I'm a therapist for my day job for those who, who don't know or don't remember all the Babe Talk episodes from four editor. years ago. I always made this joke. I used to be a full-time editor at SF Weekly and we would make this joke about how your half your job's being an editor the other half is a therapist because you have all these writers who come to you <laughs> yep. with all these fucking weird concerns and shit. Uh, it's so crazy. <laughs> That's what, um, well, so, so, so Ollie, what, um, Matt's brother, Ed was a founding member of Mm -hmm. hard times. And he was the person whose position I essentially took over. And he was like a mentor to me when I first started pitching. Um, cause like Matt talks about the, the shit that gets, gets put through for the writers took me six months of pitching every single day before I got a single thing on. And Ed helped me a lot Mm. with that. But so like, um, but Ed told me, uh, when I, when, um, well, when I told him I got the position, I asked for an advice and his response was, you got, oh, you got the job, <laughs> question mark. And, um, and then he, um, he goes, what you need to do is be half of a, half, a, half therapist, half teacher. And those are my two day oh, jobs. Wow. And I was like, all right, sweet. But it's very yeah. true. Actually, oh, let me ask you this. Have you had to, from managing Babe Talk, which, um, uh, for, for anyone who somehow doesn't know, uh, listening uh, is a music website, which is more like news and editorial stuff. Um, 
you have to manage people. Have you ever experienced that kind of thing where you have to deal with that management stuff and editing for your own I website? Mean, so, so yes and no, because a lot of it, I mean, you knew how we kind of ran. I, I let everyone kind of run with whatever they had at the time. So I, I wanted it to, you know, I was trying to cover the local community. So I was like, for me to kind of like, you know, outside of making sure that it makes sense, why would I want to go ahead and, you know, like suppress whatever punk voice is already going out there? So that was kind of how I took it. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's there's a lot of learning that goes along with it because I have managed I've managed people now um, with my day job. I'm a project manager and I used to manage like a group of 90 people in a high volume store in New York City. So like there's a lot that goes along with it. And in my experience, it's always about like the, the people and the person and they'll be able to give you whatever you want at the end of the day of it. I mean, of course, I'm very naive and we'll come to, to learn that it's not always <laughs> going to work that way. But I but the the keeping the therapy part of it uh, and, and the teacher part of it alongside any type of management position, I think it's essential. Yes. Yeah. So yes. I, I really want to touch on on some of the other side of a company that people don't really take a look at. And you have the comedy down pat. It's fantastic, and the internal way to, to kind of craft the perfection is fantastic. But now we're also taking a look at how new media is has saturated everybody, and everyone has their, their go-to content, and everyone has their way of ingesting that content. I mean, with the millions of, of people that are going over and looking at the site, how are the other like like how how's the internal like will will this perform well on this social media channel compared to another one or like is this going to work out well for um the website and it's like will people continue to read the article or like will it just stop at the share so um it's interesting because i actually feel like hard times hard times was born in a very rough period for the publishing industry in general so um, many people who contribute things uh, and are very highly talented, their, their worth isn't truly being reflected. Like the market isn't really uh, valuing them as high as I believe it, it should. Um, but, one, but some of the positives of being born in that shitty time, I think, has been this weird um, transformation. And it might just be because we have people who aren't traditionally journalists or writers in, in our rooms. Um, but we have this great company mentality uh, where every single editor is also cares about the publication. I know that sounds kind of like it should already make sense, but it's it's not like that at a lot of places. A lot of people have these yeah. certain ideas in their head of what's most important and the business side be damned and all this sort of stuff. But you go into any of our editorial meetings and you hear editors talking about uh, who's going to like this joke and uh, what sort of fan bases are we going to activate and which community is going to respond to this. And uh, so like our editors are really, really valuable in that way where they truly care about the site so much that they've taken on more of a responsibility than editors at some like time honored places. And a lot of places that are like uh, more successful and large uh, journalism institutions, there's like this huge uh, gap between editorial and uh, ads or, or like pretty much the creative and the business side of the business. Um, but at hard times, we don't really have that. And uh, it's kind of a blessing that our, our ed editors are able to take on that responsibility as well and then pull it off. It's just great to hear. I know it sounds kind of corny, but as a publisher to walk into an, you know, 
uh, um, not walk in, digitally log into a meeting with people and hear them uh, say stuff like, oh, well, you know, that that one subreddit really likes us and they're going to support this one. So I know it will get some views. Mm. Like that's like mm-hmm. a really important thing for the overall health of the publication. Yeah. But at other places, you'll just hear people being like, uh, you know, fuck that. This isn't, you know, we have to write this and who gives a damn what our advertisers <laughs> think. And whoa, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Piggybacking on what Matt said uh, with something, Ollie, what you said, and I appreciate the kind words from, from you, Ollie, about, about how we have the comedy like down I think like if you're focused so much on the marketing and who's going to look at it, like Matt said, like, oh, we know we're going to get clicks from this group of people. We have to rely on our process, which, like you said, has been working out for us that the content that they actually click on is good. Mm. And so the fact that we know and trust our writers and our contributors to really put quality product out there, as long as we know that it's going to be seen by people, we don't even think about like, Oh, are they going to like it or not? No, no. We we're confident they're going to like it because we know how much work goes into the process to get it to. to Let's to also be clear that Hard Times makes mistakes all the time, and that we we publish flops, but we, <laughs> we do our best to try to keep it well, that's keep what... the bar up. Another thing that's really cool about Hard Times, you're talking a little just about social media. I was just doing this thing where I was researching all of our different analytics, and um, so there's a lot of people. Of course, this is a common thing people say, but I actually have the numbers around it now. You know, people always talk about, oh, I just read the headlines or I just see it this way or I just see it that way. Um, mm-hmm. It's over 60 million people each month uh, engage uh, or, or see hard time stuff over social media, meaning that they just saw a headline mm-hmm. or they saw a tweet or they saw some form of content that we created. Do you really think about how mm-hmm. many people that is? Uh, like how, how... Six, zero yeah. million. So, Let Daddy insane. go ahead and work it. That's so, so not insane. all those people are clicking over onto our websites or truly engaging with our brand, you know? And you might even wonder how many of those people truly know what hard times is and how many of those people are just, you know, scrolling through Instagram and they see it pop up. But if it's even half, <laughs> it's a pretty big number, right? Um, That's so absurd, yeah. <laughs> We started our company with a couple punk kids and 800 bucks. So it's, it's, it's still astounding mm. to me. It's funny. Cause I remember starting to see the post, like start to hit my newsfeed. Mm-hmm. And the moment that I realized that it was real, I was like, Oh yes. Like this is something that it was needed. And it's fantastic to, to, to see that it, it still builds the brand. It's still like, even if it, that does happen, it's like, it doesn't matter. Like the, my check's still cleared. And, the brand is still <laughs> strong. Yeah. Does does anything though as like trends though? Like what's mm-hmm. one of your favorite trends that you're starting to see emerge within I would probably want to say the past 2 years that you've been kind of wanting to dip your hands into. Do you mean trends just in culture in general or trends in comedy or or what do you mean? Let's sure. So so let's dive more so the the podcast started earlier oh, yeah. in this year. Um, and then you started opening up to, to Patreons, you know, we're talking about yeah. brand loyalty. You guys have like, you know, close to 60 people strong, like, you know, wanting to, to, <laughs> it's not that many. to get the content. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm broke. Yeah. So like, <laughs> and, and, and it's, it's big and it's satire news. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's thinking back to the old mad magazines, you know, like uh-huh. I've, I love seeing everything come through my newsfeed. And then when you click over to this site, there's so much more mm-hmm. and it's, it's dumb to say that, Yeah. but those people, they end up your loyal people and that's new. 
and yep. within the past i would say 12 months right we've been seeing youtube starting to skyrocket with with um a lot of brands solidifying their presence on there whereas three years prior it was harder your market was on facebook like has there been any trends that you would want the hard times to kind of like you know pursue with? sure yeah um so I made a kind of critical mistake and I kind of believed in Facebook's uh, video plan over YouTube. So we never built our presence over <laughs> there. That was, that was, oh uh, man, you and me both buddy. Yeah. It was all a scam too. Cause all their <laughs> video views are fake. That's a long story. Don't need to get into it, but I made a little bit of a stumble there. The podcast stuff. Um, I'm really excited to get involved in. Uh, I feel like we've got a lot of creative people on our team and we're just building out this network is going to be really fun and exciting. Um, just today we put out, uh, an episode of our main podcast, the Hard Times Podcast, with uh, Fred Armisen, who I think is one of, I think you could argue the, I think the best music satire mind in the world. From my perspective, I, I think huh. that, I think yeah. that, that would be yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe at, at least for my form of music, you know, you look at like uh, like the SNL sk uh, skit, like Wedding Band Reunion. Um, Mm -hmm. You look at like Blue Jeans <laughs> Committee and uh, like mm -hmm. his South by Southwest tape, all this sort of stuff. Like as far as music comedy is concerned, yeah, special. Um, yeah. yeah, his Netflix special, Stand Up for Drummers. Uh, the guy's got a, a hell of a mind for the thing. So to have him on the podcast was a real thrill. I've also had him. Um, go ahead. And he's just going on the tour for comedy yeah. for musicians uh, tour or whatever. So he's clearly about to cook up something oh, yeah. else that'll yeah, probably so, come out on Netflix. Um, that was a real thrill. So I've been having a lot of personally, I've just been having a lot of fun doing the podcast regardless of it's trendy or not. It seems like everyone has a podcast. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah, welcome to podcast. Like, why, why do you think baseball came back? I was like, Oh, we're doing this again. And just jump right back in. I have to think about, oh, I have to think about whether or not our audience will transfer over to these oh. things. Um, and so far, our audience and our sponsors have been transferring over to the podcast pretty well. So it looks like it's going to be a success. You never really know until you try, right? Um, I believe that also you have the book just came out. Oh, yeah. The book the book comes out in late 2019. We just got finished with it, though. So we just turned uh, – I actually have to copy edit some of I have to go over the copy edits. Um, we're working with a great editor. Uh, her name is Kate, and she works at HMH. And she's a – she grew up in the punk scene. And the copy editor grew up in the punk scene. So like we we found like this big uh, publishing house that has like some punks working at it. It's pretty cool. We didn't even we didn't even like <laughs> uh, market the book. We don't have an agent. Kate Kate came to us. She said she sent me an email. She said, uh, Sark Times ever thought about putting out a book? <laughs> I was like, Yeah, if you want to do it, like go for it. <laughs> and uh, that that's how it started. And then we Yeah. <laughs> All her, all her editing is all punk style. She's <laughs> spinning on pages she doesn't like. Uh, so it that's been a really fun process. We did that. Um, the book was mostly handled by uh, Bill Conway, my co-founder, and Chrissy Howard, one of our editors. Hey, Matt, um, when this book comes out, um, can we find a way to do like a book tour where we do it like we're fronting a hardcore band but reading chapters <laughs> yeah. from the book? I would love every yeah. mother for this next page, yeah. every motherfucker up the front. Well, I think we're actually contractually <laughs> obligated to do some book tour events. So I'm sure we'll be coming up with some fun stuff. Oh, oh yes. yes. Yeah. That's going to be great. So I'm just picturing you holding like a gooseneck microphone, but well, like, like a hardcore singer. When it, came up, time. when it came up in the contract <laughs> negotiations, I thought, what a great excuse to meet hard, uh, hard times contributors from all around the country. Because I, I only meet some of them. Oh. Yeah. Um, so if I have to stop Ooh. around in all these different parts of the country, I can get people to come in and uh, shake their hands. People who we've been working with digitally for a little while. 
which is also a great a great thing like so we once a year we had the um we've done it two years now where uh like matt puts on this huge show slash party slash just becomes this week weekend long event for a lot of the contributors in san francisco where he's based um and so i remember the first time i went and a lot of other contributors felt the same way where it was like i never felt normal so i gravitated towards punk but i never fully felt like i was I don't know, welcomed by the punk scene or never fully felt like I fit in with there either. And then when I got into comedy, I felt the same way there. I'm like, okay, these are also kind of my people, but I'm not fully integrated in this world. But when I met a bunch of punks who also did comedy, that was the greatest, like most mind blowing experience I've had in a long time. And I remember uh, going home after the first time we did this and um, being almost depressed Cause I was like, what the fuck just happened to me? That was like the greatest thing ever. And all these other contributors were telling me they had the exact same feeling. And so is this really so just cool? So like, we're clear, you know, no one likes hard times more than Eric. Uh, <laughs> God, guys, probably <laughs> that is liked true. It more than you, me. Told, <laughs> you said I liked it more. I was a bigger supporter yeah. <laughs> uh, than your mom. And she liked the so post. We have, so, so, yeah. just, oh no, you're right. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's right. I don't well, I don't support okay, so you this much, son. One thing that happens <laughs> hard times, I'm not 100 percent sure if this is interesting podcast material, so feel free to cut me off if you want. But what <laughs> yeah, sure, okay. One thing that one thing that happens at hard times <laughs> was I was a freelance contributor elsewhere. Um I was writing for Vice and uh SF Weekly and Rolling Stone, and I felt um there's a lot of problems. I was really appreciative to get the work and to have my name in print. And my parents were like, Oh my God, our son's a published writer or whatever. Um, but you know, the way that I was being paid was all fucked up. Uh, the way that I was pitching, I felt was very, uh, not transparent. And, uh, I felt very isolated from the rest of the team. I didn't understand what they really wanted from me. I didn't understand my role. I didn't feel like I had a, a network of people at the site that I knew. Um, and so when we started hard times, we kind of, um, one of the main things that I wanted to do was like go down that list and fix all those things for our freelancers. Um, so we, our yeah. website actually, nice. our website actually operates in like a pretty radically different way than a lot of other websites. Um, what do you think about that, Callie? Well, you like it? I mean, that's important because because when when I was looking like you know through through the many like um backstories, you you started as a freelancer, and that's and and even that alone is like well, <clears throat> so you go from freelancing to wanting to do satire in a music community. It's like oh, all of those things are definitely financially sound. <laughs> well, actually, uh, actually, I was <laughs> yeah, freelancing right. when I started hard times, but uh, then I got a full time job as an as a music editor at uh, SF Weekly. You want some breaking news? Exclusive news? All right. Oh, more exclusive next, news. Holy shit. Sometime in the next 30 days, uh, Hard Times is going to be launching an actual real news culture and music blog. Bam. Heard it here first. What? Yeah. That's awesome. That's good. I mean, well, oh, wait, wait, hold, hold, hold Ollie's on. Ollie's already writing <laughs> up an application. Yeah. <laughs> it was more just like, oh, that's great. Yeah. I just had the biggest competitor look me in the eye and say, I'm fucking taking you down. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was so waiting for this moment. It's not, it's, yeah. it's not a zero sum yep. game. We can all survive together. That's right. I'm not going to be going after oh, fucking other publishers. Um, it's something I've always it's something I've always wanted to do. You know, like uh, Onion has AV Club, and all I do is rip off the Onion, right? So, um, I think, yeah. so start to <laughs> so there you go. Like whoever the A24 of like music would be. Yeah. So it'd be it'd be weird. Yeah. Um, 
So it should launch in about 30 days if everything goes as planned. Um, Ollie, you had, um, you had mentioned, um, like looking at like trends that we've noticed. And I know you guys were talking more in the social media and the, and the, there's the changing of how we communicate information online. Um, I, one of the things I've noticed just in uh, a trend that I've noticed that has nothing to do with that, but is more in the culture of it is that certain like smaller niche groups are dying, dying, dying for people to talk about their interests. So like if we were to do an article about say, um, uh, uh, some, a semi obscure podcast and, um, and we, you know, we do one on a semi obscure podcast, but has a diehard loyal fan base of a cut, like tens of thousands of people. If we do something on them from a perspective of someone who actually from with a good joke, someone who actually like knows the, the, the podcast or the, the nature of their, their fan base. So it's some real shit that we're putting out, but we target a much smaller audience than our own wider audience. They go crazy for it because they're like, finally, someone with some clout or I don't want to say that we have clout, but you know what I mean? Someone with a, a bigger like voice and platform is um, is talking about that thing I, that we love. And we've gained so many fans who you wouldn't expect to be fans of hard times because we touched on one random band or podcast or celebrity or piece of culture that a lot of people just ignore, which is the foundation that Matt had for punk, for punk satire. No one was doing this. And same with video game satire. It's so it's even on a macro I mean, level. I've actually, I actually get a little weirded out sometimes when we, when we cover topics that I think are just huge. And then they're just absolutely thrilled that we covered them. Like when uh, seven seconds yes. broke up, you know, it was a band that's really uh, fucking important in my life. And uh, they broke up. And that day we wrote an article about it and Kevin second shared it and was like, this, the whole, <laughs> he's like the whole journey of the band was worth it because hard times wrote an article about us. And, oh, uh, that's awesome. And uh, like when Chris Gethard's show got canceled, we wrote a, a joke about that and their whole staff and Chris was sharing it being like worth it. Got a hard times article. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so insane when you write an article about a band uh and the band shares it and you says look guys really we made it ryan and adams now I, now I, now i can't brag about that one huh? yeah. you ruined it for me yeah oh right oh well you know hey you know what here's a new indie darling that we can not that we can say uh jenny lewis commented a kissy face oh, on our jenny lewis cool. article the other day which was so awesome. Yeah, just yeah. to be like, you're. We made. It's interesting because I think it was the the cross section that really brought everything together. It was you have comedians and musicians. I mean, like you 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 can't find any, like you have humor, and you have music. So like those are the two things that can universally be enjoyed by everybody, and to be able to to have that kind of mixed together, it's a perfect storm. The, the, the thing that I'm, I'm loving about podcasts, though, because because we're, we're talking about um, audiences not really being able to extend their voice nearly as, as hard, we're, we, we have so many people right now oversaturating all the regular um, channels that we kind of have available. And now that podcasting is starting to kind of like, you know, pick its head back up of the, you know, what, late 2000s bed and it's more accessible a lot more people have voices now and not everyone wants to share like like you know be the ones to share that voice but there's a lot more people wanting to ingest it because like oh shit this is a regular thing there are a lot of more people trying to ingest it but there's i feel like there's some stiff competition and to differentiate yourself can be kind of difficult i I think uh i don't know i you know when we started hard times um 
there was actually no publication doing exactly what we were doing. Um, and that's a huge advantage. Uh, and when we started our podcast, there's a decent chunk of people who do the same kind of podcast, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? It's like, a, it's, no, so it's, yeah. so it's more hey. crowded. Um, I think, I think, and I hope that we'll be able to break through the noise. Um, honestly, I just have so much fun doing it myself. I really don't mind. And, uh, we have some sponsors from like companies that I actually am like big supporters of and fans of, and like I use their products <laughs> and shit. So it was cool to bring them on board. It's been one crazy wild experience. You'll hear more about the stuff that we're doing, uh, with our podcast network pretty soon. I want to expand it out. I want uh, just talking to Keith Buckley. I want him to host the show and he's into it. Um, from every time I die. And, uh, I told Jonah, Jonah, Jonah Ray said that he tried to think one up. Um, who knows if he will, he already has one. He's a busy guy, but, uh, he's been an early supporter of our website and I'd love to see him on there too. So, um, I don't, I actually, yeah, I mean like it's communal. I sent an email off to Longmont Potion Castle. Have you ever heard him? I can't say that I have. Longmont Potion Castle. You got to look him up. You, You guys would love him. Um, he's like this band scene guy who, does uh uh prank calls but he runs them through all these like effects and it's very bizarre and it, it kind of got spread through the music scene uh through tapes and bands would listen to him on these long drives from uh, on tours and shit uh just dig oh, into smart. it dig into it it's called longmont potion castle um and uh longmont i i got the opportunity to they just made a documentary about him and i got the opportunity to have hard times promote it in the bay area and because of that i I was like, dude, I gotta, I want, I want to get him to do a podcast where he just prank calls people. I think that'd be so funny. He didn't respond, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna like pester him quite a bit. <laughs> Our fans would love this guy, and and he's already and like a, that would be resurgence of old comedy too. He's already like a fucking cult legend, um, but he's like a cult legend in the same exact demographic and scene that enjoys us but not all of our audience knows him hmm. it would be like the mm-hmm. perfect pairing he's a pretty weird reclusive anonymous guy though so i'm not 100 sure if he's, if he's gonna bite on it but i i'm gonna i'm gonna try i mean podcasts are pretty easy you just like you know just stuff a mic there it's like just pretend i'm not even here you know i think he does he he calls people for like four months before he records the final call you know like he like has these long con situations um he's put out like 17 tapes i think and they're most of them are on youtube um and he calls a lot of musicians too like he called gg allen at one point like um (laughs) i anyone who how do you prank call gg allen (laughs) hard time should look up longmont potion castle i think it's like the same vibe all right so we're gonna have to start to wrap up the show, and I, I typically, if it was a musician, would say like, you know, like what's on the horizon? There's there's so much shit that's on the horizon for hard times that I think that would be like a cop out. So I'm gonna want to end it with with the uh, what's the good and what's the what's the bad for managing <laughs> all of this, for pursuing the dream and having the team and having the outlets. What is the one thing that helps you sleep the soundest at night and what's the one subject that keeps you a little bit that keeps you awake a little bit longer than you want um i think the best part of hard times for me has been surrounding myself with creative people uh i love the notion of having a whole bunch of people in my personal circle who have aspirations and dreams to do creative things on a large scale um that's been the best thing for me the thing that keeps me up at night 
paying the bills. It's not exactly an easy, we, we fund a lot of weird projects. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> you know, we were just a punk comedy <laughs> site. So it's, you know, if I'm thinking about what truly keeps me up at night every once in a while, it's uh, making sure that the, all the bills get paid. Mine are similar to Matt's, obviously different because we're in very different roles, but like, I mean, the meeting a lot of people has been great, especially creative people that I relate to and just that experience of working with them. But honestly, like one of the things that, and this is such a, I feel like anybody who's an entertainer deep down, like would admit this, but I think it's it's hard for me to say out now. That's why I'm fucking uh, giving a big disclaimer is that they, um, there's a, there's a scene in an old show, an old show, like 15 years ago called studio 60, where um, there's a guy who it's like a, the, the cold open to this episode is he's an executive producer on an SNL type TV show. And the cold open is just all this shit happening during their winter break off of, off of, you know, off the air. And um, it's just his life is shit. His life is shit. His life is shit. And then at the very end of the cold open, it's revealed that, oh, we're about to open for the next week to go on TV. And he just kind of looks to himself and just goes, well, at least I'm on TV. And I feel like hard times giving somebody like me and every other contributor and editor and manager a platform to just feel heard in the world, which is what I think a lot of people just want is to be heard. It's nice to wake up and go, something I do is going to get seen by a lot of people today. And that kind of gives a sense of purpose. And I kind of, I, I really like that. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a, I feel that same way, Eric. Um, awesome. It's the first time in my life that I've had a microphone, really. Yeah. Um, and I think that we use it pretty responsibly for the fact <laughs> that it's, <laughs> you would think a bunch of punk kids who grabbed a microphone for the first time might cause way too much trouble. Yes. I, I think we cause a lot of trouble, but we, we also. <laughs> we pull back. You should do the meetings. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. you should see what we reject. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, pull, I pulled up the um, site like, like, and, and I was like, you know what? Like, let me do like a, a, a proper comb. And I was like, oh, ice was arrest, uh, ice arrest outcast. And I was like, oh, and then I was like, where are the members of the 27 club now? And I was like, ah, there it is. There. It is. <laughs> I think one that, that surprisingly got, got a lot of people upset, um, was, uh, real life Batman. This, both this guy's parents are dead. <laughs> people for what I, I didn't think it was that bad. People got upset about that one. Um, Did you guys hear that? I saw this on, this was, this was trending on Twitter. It fucking blew my mind. I'm uh, Justin Bieber, I guess, did an April Fool's joke where he pretended for a couple of days that his girlfriend was pregnant. And then on April, on April 1st, he posted a picture of like a dog inside her stomach. Like, just kidding. We're not pregnant. We have a fur puppy. And that backlash was real. There were like tens of thousands of tweets saying that he was being insensitive towards people who couldn't conceive a child. <laughs> I can't believe we're siding with Justin Bieber on this one. But I, God, I know, but I, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, that is such insane. a fucking not offensive joke. So you know what? The, if you're... If you, this yeah, is, he is so big. This will take 30... Maybe 30 seconds, but real on this subject, Ollie, um, would you be interested in hearing just a few truth bang headlines? Absolutely. That that site we yeah. created for the all right, cool. So um, real quick, just the, the couple that are coming up. I don't care what you say, JK Rowling, I can prove Dumbledore is straight. Um <laughs> if God created Adam and Eve, then why are there Chinese people? <laughs> yeah, this site did not get advertisers. <laughs> Um, exposed. These cocks are sleeping with my wife. And uh, finally, watch out, terrorists. I bought a cool sword. 
yeah it was all about it was all about like one we had one character who was supposed to be like this kind of like paranoid schizophrenic conspiracy theorist yes. guy um like a right wing sort of mm-hmm. character um, but people, even when people enjoyed it, they like couldn't share it to their friends. Oh you yeah, know? you're gonna share the Chinese people article with your friends? Like, no, it's gonna <laughs> be okay. And it, see, exactly. you know, it's gonna be a lot easier to take out like you know Babe Talk because like you know literally the past 45 seconds will be enough to like, knock us out. So uh, <laughs> I know. Right? Yeah. But anyway, Matt, oh, thank man. you so much, Eric. Oh my God, guys, this is such a fantastic episode. Everybody, if you're not, head over to the Hard Times. But I'm going to direct you over to the podcast. Take a look over at that. Matt has his book coming out very shortly. It's going to be, well, late 2019, you had said so, correct? Oh, and you can, you can pre-order. Yeah. And you can see in that book a, a couple, there's a whole bunch of exclusive articles in there. There's some best ofs, but there's lots of like, wait, Matt, am I allowed to say this stuff? Sorry. You say whatever you want, man. Okay. Um, and uh, one of the things that personally that I added to the book, um, I mean, you'll have the the Warp Tour article that I that I put out forever ago that, that blew up, but I also... Uh, they had me do a follow-up to it, which is uh, a fake story about me getting invited to Warp Tour and having a run-in with Kevin Lyman. Sorry, Mr. Lyman. I did a Mr. McMahon thing on there. So I'm basically doubling down on potentially getting sued. So buy the book to help potentially us with the lawsuit that will follow. Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's why, yes. And what is the Patreon? 60 people. There's 60 people. You know what the, you know what the Patreon is? Is The Patreon is for the fucking diehards. So if you sign exactly. up for our Patreon, you get all of our – every episode of every show on the podcast network ad-free. But you also get to be in Hard Time Stories. So you get to be in the photos or you get to have your name uh, put into the article or your band name put into the article. And – we will follow you on Instagram and you can tell any lie that you want for the reason why we do that. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. You, can, you can say that oh, you're an editor for the that, site. Yeah. You can say that you fucking invented it, but you got pushed <laughs> out due to the bullshit office politics, whatever <laughs> you want, we will back it up. And you know who, you know who has their name in a uh, hard times article? Uh, Mr. Ollie. Which oh, one? Yeah, you yeah, did it is. Uh, it is my first bigger article that I had that actually like did well was um, that Matt, you actually wrote a good chunk of it because it was very early on for me. It was man hasn't heard band, but he's heard of them. There is uh, <laughs> a character named Ollie Sweeney, half named after Ollie Platel and uh, Ryan Sweeney, my co- one of my college roommates. That's great. <laughs> yeah, Ollie, this is great talking to a hard times feel? character in real life. Yes, how does it feel? <laughs> well, see, there you go. It's like it's like Pet says cemetery, except it's audio edition. Yes, just like yeah, it comes back. It comes back, but it's not what you it put comes in. Back to- <laughs> it's so not anyway, what you gentlemen, put in. Thank, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, everyone. For be good to yourself because you're the only you that you got. Follow everyone on the socials. Follow Babe Talk on the socials. We got more episodes of both shows. Talk to you later. Oh, I need to. Yeah. Yeah.